Hello, dear friend, and welcome. My name is Cynthia Alice Anderson, and I'm the owner and founder of the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. I have been so honored to be able to offer these programs several days a week, and these programs I know are inspiring, they are supporting, and they are uplifting your life's journey. I want to see that continue, and I honor you for being a part of making that happen. So for over five years, we've been able to offer these programs, and we want to continue to be able to offer them. So over the next 90 days, we are raising $9,000, and that's going to get us all the way through the end of the year. So I ask you to consider taking the time to support the channel that supports you. And again, our goal that we're asking you to be a part of is $9,000 in 90 days. And we look forward to hearing from you, friend. We're honored to support your journey. And we always are lifting you in prayer for God's highest and best in your life. Blessings on the journey, dear friend. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. Welcome to The Authentic Spiritual Journey, a weekly podcast featuring real and practical spiritual conversations from diverse perspectives here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. Today, episode 203, Knowing That You Are Loved. And now your host, Rev. Cynthia Alice Anderson. Hello and welcome to The Authentic Spiritual Journey. My name is Cynthia Alice Anderson. I'm the host, and I'm here today in 818 Studios with my producer. Hello, everybody. This is Dave Croft, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Authentic Spiritual Journey. As always, I welcome you to a brand new week. I hope you are doing well, and uh, and I hope you had a great weekend. It's going to be a good one. I feel it. I feel it. We're into May, second week of May. Yes. All the uh, Justin Timberlake jokes are over, and so, yeah, we are firmly <laughs> into May. <laughs> Yes, today is a great day. It's a great day to be alive. Uh, there's a, a, a gentleman at my new ministry uh, named David. And um, <clears throat> on Sunday, I uh, recently I said to him, he said, how are you? And I said, well, it's a great day to be alive. He goes, wait, that's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. And you're not yeah. wrong. Yeah. I tell you, sometimes life gets really, really simple, right? It's like, just uh, gratitude for the day, for the moment. Yeah, just back to basics. Just back mm-hmm. to basics. Don't overcomplicate it. Just keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple. Well, that's been on my heart lately, too. It's it's funny, um, both for my ministry, in my personal walk, in my work. Um, even there's a, a talk coming up at the end of June uh, I'm doing called uh, The Simplicity of Life. And along with that, we're going to do a fun Cowboy Sunday uh, <laughs> and uh, do do some fun stuff after service. But but um, there was something about this season for me uh, with uh, my aunt uh, making her passing, who was the sister of my mother. You know, so it it kind of compounded a little bit of that grief. And so when when that happens, you know, it's always a, a time to pause and reflect. Um, and around my mother's passing, um, because it was so much going on for me at that time, meaning I was moving, I was leaving my position, you know, like my mom passed away three days before my last day at work. 
And it was a lot to process, and I was not really able to grieve in the way I might normally, you know? And so, um, and so anyway, as you're saying that, Dave, I, that's the place I've been. I know we didn't talk about that at all, uh, before coming on, but it's like, what is really important right now? You know, and, um, my aunt, I'm just going to say a word about her. She was this really incredible artist and poet. And it was so uh, interesting to me uh, in reflection, what I learned from her, from her kids, um, and how when you live a life that matters, which she certainly did, that you really leave a legacy behind. You know, her artwork, Her, uh, I was able to get, by the way, one of her pieces that I've loved for years. And, uh, the, there's a, um, a piece she painted and a poem she wrote with it. So they're posted, you know, together now in my home. And I never even thought about it, but, uh, just the other day I had a friend over, he was looking at it and the name of the poem is the little white house. Well, I live in a little white house. <laughs> Yeah. So it's just all the funny little things. But um, anyway, so it's been a real time of contemplation uh, for me. And I, I know you feel me on that, Dave, because you guys have been through some stuff. Yeah. You know, the last uh, couple years with Shannon's dad passing. and uh, Yeah, it's yeah. just uh, – and and what's what's interesting is, you know, over the last, last especially couple of months or so, uh, we have deliberately kind of slowed things down. Because it's so easy, you know, when when you get on the other side, you know, there, there's a death in the family, and you just want to kind of throw yourself in, into work yeah. and into yeah. projects and everything. And so within the last couple of months, we've just really been able to to slow things way, way, way down, you mm -hmm. know. And so in that space, though, we're kind of uh, revisiting some of the grief that that maybe we had just kind of stuck in, into the, you know, <laughs> folded it up and, and you know, it's in the back of the, the drawer. Box. Right. We put it in a little box. And now, you know, now that there's nothing in front of that and we have to kind of work it, work through it. Mm -hmm. And so it's all a process. And, um, and, uh, it's just, it's just been really, uh, interesting and I think healthy and ultimately good. But, you know, still walking, walking through that grief, even though it's been, you know, a year and a half since, since Shannon's dad died. So. Yeah. And, and her dad died, you know, right around the same time mm -hmm. as my mom. And, uh, and even though, you know, I did my mom's memorial, I even did, we did a whole show, you know, called Remembering Mama, which has been a real listen to show, uh, interestingly enough, but, um, but uh, I still, you know, the death of a parent is something that you process for many years, usually, you know, off and on, because certain things remind you of, you know, yeah. there's, here's the thing she used. And, you know, it takes, it tends to take on a different meaning um, after their passing. And um, anyway, so friends, that's where we are today. Yeah. And, and, you know, my, my thinking on it is, uh, you know, as we're talking about it, is that, you know, culturally now, there's not a lot of space to process. And, um, you know, even with, um, I always hate to rag on cell phones, but the truth is, we're all a little too available. And so you can leave a memorial in your phone ring about, you know, your cell phone bill. 
or your phone ring about somebody at work that forgot you're away or, or you, you get know, a, you, and, yeah, you get a text or even, yeah. you know, or, or you go up on, on social media or you check your email. Yeah, the point exactly. is, is that like you walk away from a memorial and suddenly something fills that, that vacuum, that, fills that exactly, space exactly. and it, it pulls you, at least for me, it pulls you out of that. This it is does. why Shannon and I have been really conscious about setting aside Saturday mornings or have become like our sacred time. And we block it in our calendar. It is, we call it our sacred lion where we don't pick up our phones. We don't turn on the TV. We just, before cell phones and all of that, we just kind of just basically hang out, chat, talk about life, rest. Exactly. Nap on and off. Yeah. Get some coffee, eat some good food, hang out. Right. You didn't have to always be like, you know, connected to something. And um, yeah, this is, I think this is really important what, what we're talking yeah. about because y- you got to have space uh, for the emotions. And, you know, we, what we've learned, uh, you know, through our own uh, personal growth and our study. And, you know, if you listen to any of the shows on this channel, you know, it's all about becoming more conscious and you can't be conscious and aware if all you're doing is taking in information, mm-hmm. you know, or, or fill it, filling up the gaps with yes. with something else, which is just going to spin you and spiral you into something else or, or or distract you. And that's what I I am so bad about. Okay, like uh, what now? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to check my email, or I'm going to check social media, or I'm going to see if somebody's gotten back to me, or I'm going to see how my YouTube channel is doing. Right, and so I'm so quick. To any time there's a quietening, quieting, yeah. mm-hmm. to to feel the need to occupy that space, and I feel like that's just within the, within the last couple of years, or maybe it's just within the last <laughs> doing this podcast that I've uh, kind of become much more conscious about it. Yeah, yeah, it's true, and um, and you know, we all have lives, we all have things we have to do, but it was it's been really interesting for me lately as my um my physical process has shifted, you know, to more workouts and there's a couple of different locations, um, where, where I'm doing my, my physical exercise, you know, one is at a, a dojo, actually, Dave, as you know, not too far from you. And then the other one is, you know, another direction. But when I was looking at, you know, adding some of this exercise in, my ego wanted to fight it a little bit and say, well, do you have time? Well, what's interesting is I'm doing, I do have time. I do have to schedule it. But what I notice is I'm just plugged in less. Hmm. <laughs> and, and how much better that feels to be doing something physical. And, and recently a friend came by, um, you know, he needed some support on something, no problem. Uh, and we, instead of being in the house because she has a cat allergy, we were, um, in my garage and it was fun. It was fun to connect, to just talk. And it was like, it started to rain a little bit outside. And I thought there's something very real about this. Uh, two people, uh, friends who care about each other, known each other for years and a little rain outside. Sunday night, you know, different energy. Uh, my son's in the house, you know, boy, that was something special about that. And had I had a phone in my hand or, you know, that I never would have experienced it. So 
um, as much as I love people <laughs> listening and watching and and all of that, I can't say enough that putting down the phone, going off the computer, stopping the Netflix binging uh, is healthy, is healthy. Yeah. And somehow, to me, this has to do with what we're talking about today. I don't think we've even given the title <laughs> no. yet, Dave. <laughs> no, we're 11 minutes into the show, and we haven't even yeah. said no, the, it. The well, title... It doesn't matter. It's all, it's all related. Yeah. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. It is knowing that you are loved. And so I know, like, for Shannon, we've talked about love languages and all that stuff, yeah. you know, but when when i put the phone down you know and like you know and we're laying down and she has her head on my chest and we're just oh. like no no tv nothing it's just us i know that she knows that she's loved yes oh yep sweet yes yeah super sweet exactly i bet our listeners were like oh i think you should put in a little sound effect after oh okay Aww. i could do that oh <laughs> Well, and, and, you know, uh, fundamentally, I think every problem, so I'm, I'm going to say a real global statement, which is, is usually dangerous and, and very rare for me. But I dare to say every problem in the world would be solved if everyone knew they were loved. Hmm. Because what we see in the world and I say the world, I'm talking about our families, our jobs, on the news, in our politics, in our world leaders. You know, there's so much posturing, gesturing, uh, trying to be the best, the brightest of this. All that's about, of course, we love to say personality and ego. But what it's uh, under that, of course, the personality and ego was created when we were trying to get love. And we said, well, if I do this, then I'll get love. If I do that, then I'll get love. And then we spend our whole lives still trying to get that love, right? So so when you know that you're loved, it's like everything starts to kind of calm down. And for me, and for most of the people I work with, knowing that is a process. It doesn't, it's not necessarily how we were raised. Um, and I'm, you know, not blaming our parents. They, uh, you know, did the best they could with the information they had. Uh, and I think in 20 years, my son's going to do it differently than I did. You know, so it's good. There's evolving. There's growth there. But because of that, you know, you've got a lot of people walking around still trying to get love. And when you know that you're loved, everything gets real simple. And so the work, as we talk about it, like we often talk about soul work. So that's what's ours to do is to move into that place of knowing, which doesn't happen overnight, you know. So I'm just going to ask you to think about right now. So what would change if you knew that you were loved? Like what would you quit trying to prove to everyone? Uh, one of the courses I recently taught, and I was I was talking, I, I hearken back to the teachings of Byron Katie, who wrote the book The Work. Um, somebody the other day said, "Isn't it Katie Byron?" I go, "No, it's last name first, <laughs> first name last. It's Byron Katie. She wrote a book called The Work, 
And in the work, there are these four questions. Is it true? Can you absolutely know it's true? You know, what happens when you think that thought? And um, who would you be without that thought? That's basically the four questions. And then the fifth step is like a turnaround. So we were t- talking in the in the course, and um, I was trying to give the, the class some examples. And one of the examples I gave is that... Um, uh, One of the issues I've dealt with my whole journey is, am I enough? Which really means, do you love me? Right? Am I enough or do you love me? So when that is a driving motivator of behavior, like when I said to myself, what happens when I think the thought, am I enough? Well, I think I have to work really hard and run myself in the ground to prove that I am enough. So it's like, so once I started unwinding that thought, right, of I'm not enough, it's like, well, who would I be without that thought? It was like, oh my gosh, I would be relaxed. I would be free. I would be at peace. I would be. So it it was great to uncover again that that um you know that pattern that can remain largely unconscious. You know, it's hard to look at because it's like, oh yeah, I can see when I go into that or if I if I'm working too hard, I need to ask myself like, why am I pushing myself at this level? And as we were talking about in the first part of the show, you know, we were saying sometimes when you deal with grief, you tend to throw yourself in, into work, right? So we all have our ways that we check out a little bit. But what I'm talking about is, uh, in this case, is is like, what is the running narrative? What runs our show that nobody sees? You know, what runs our thoughts uh, that nobody sees? And, and uh, I mean, I don't mind sharing mine because... It's it's like, how else do we heal if we don't hear what other people are kind of working with and working on? And what was so interesting when I was talking to the class, I said, does anybody else have the thought, I'm not enough? Well, every hand went up. <laughs> so so this seems to be uh, a very human experience to think I'm not enough or am I enough? And so getting to unwind that thought uh Help me relax into the fact that, oh, I am loved. I am enough. So if I know I'm loved, I would never ask the question, am I enough? I hope this is making sense to you all as you're as you're listening. I just looked at the map. I love that people in Asia and Australia are listening to the show. It was funny, uh, years ago, I was in this therapeutic process, you know, my therapist asked me a question. I gave this answer and she goes, okay, I'm going to ask that again. And she said, I, I, so I don't want the right answer. You don't have to prove anything to me. I'm on your side. And I said, you are, (laughs) (laughs) it was so funny. And so I was like, oh, there it is again. 
you know, like I just went into it. I, I think the question got like a little too close, you know, and so I went into that old manic defense of, oh, got to, you know. So what I've learned, though, the more I can tap into the fact that I am loved, that that just kind of drains away. It's weird. It's like all of a sudden, oh, oh, I can breathe. All is well. I don't have to prove anything. Oh. Somebody has a question. Let me give it some thought before I answer. I don't have to do and be all this all the time. Yeah, knowing that your love changes everything. The anxiety, the worry, like the second I get there, it it evaporates. That's really the word. It evaporates. So we'll leave you with that and we'll be back right after this brief message. Welcome back. We're glad you're with us. Um, Friends, I... uh, (laughs) I I love having a little break. It always helps me pause and reflect on on what we've been talking about. And I hope it's been specific enough because I want you to get the feel and be able to apply it to your own life and not necessarily, you know, it's not all about me and my journey, but I like to share some of my awarenesses and 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 when they happen so that you can start to kind of self-identify. So I hope that's helping you as you know as I as I give the stories because um <clears throat> like if somebody were to say to me, "Well, how do you know that you're loved?" You know, and the first thing I would probably say is take a big old deep breath. You know, it starts right there. And there's no one thing to do to know that you're loved, but it's a, what's gotten me to moments of that is the desire to heal and the desire to live, you know, a healthy, balanced life that I'm raising a good child, you know, a good, I mean, he's a man, he's not a child, he's about 15 now, that I'm raising somebody who's going to make the world better, that I'm uh, uh, doing enough emotional work that I'm teaching, you know, like I say, my son and am an example for people I serve of what help looks like. And so because of that, and I feel such a responsibility um, you know, in my, in to others that it keeps me motivated to, to heal. And so, you know, my journey has been so varied with therapeutic work, with, you know, Native American spirituality, with <clears throat> time and nature. And ultimately, knowing that you're loved, it's, in my experience, it's a both outer and inner experience. But it's, for me, first felt and known in the self. And I'm being very careful not to say, 
well, you love, you know, you're loved when you do what you want and you say what you want. I'm not saying that at all. And culturally, uh, that's what we see now. You know, you just say what you want, you blast somebody and move on and then wonder why they, you know, they're not real happy to see you. (laughs) So, so, um, like, so there is something about honoring yourself and honoring your desires and honoring your inner voice and honoring, you know, what you feel your path is, but doesn't mean you ignore everybody else and else and bulldoze everybody down. So it's like knowing that your love is listening to that inner voice in a really deep way on a very regular basis. And, and the universe is, you know, the very fabric of the universe is made of love. This is what I feel. And this is what I experience. For instance, um, Recently, I've had a few deep spiritual experiences in places that you would not imagine. And one was in a school orchestra concert with the beginning orchestra. <laughs> and and I know Dave is a musician. You all can't see him. He's kind of smiling and nodding. People out of tune, rhythms wrong, right? But But what... What I've noticed is that if I can just relax into the moment and what is and become fully present, like take a deep breath, I literally had a spiritual experience a few weeks ago at a concert of a beginning orchestra, and all I was doing was breathing and being present. And see, I know right now you feel the energy all the way across the world, what I'm saying to you. Because I'm now in this, consciously, in this field of love I'm speaking of. It's like we exist within this field of infinite consciousness that is love. And when I was sitting there, they were playing, I'm breathing. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, it's like my heart, I could feel it open. Literally, it was like, oh. I started breathing deeper. And it was like this energy went both out from me and came to me. Uh, when Charles Fillmore had an experience similar to this, <clears throat> excuse me, which is Unity's co-founder, he called it, he said he saw golden snowflakes all around, that the air was filled with golden snowflakes. And that's very similar to this experience. For me, it's more of an etheric mist. And it just kind of covered the room. It was very magical. So I believe why or how that could happen is for years, I've been training myself to breathe deeply. I sought out a vocal coach to learn to breathe better so that I was better at my job. And so my voice would not be tired and worn out. And what I found is this super big gift of learning 
to breathe. And now my breathing is more like how babies breathe, which is their, their tummy goes in and out, you know. They're not worried about their waistline or their <laughs> abs. <clears throat> and when we grow up in dysfunctional situations, we learn to fear breathe, which puts all the attention in our chest. It's like, <gasps> you know, it's like when somebody pulls out in traffic and you go, <gasps> well, that's how most of us are breathing all the time. Right. So in other words, uh, we're sending adrenaline coursing through our bodies. You know, anytime you there's this this, you know, that that um, that kind of fear breathing, it puts adrenaline in your body for the next 20 minutes. So when you learn to breathe, it changes everything. So I've been doing that breathing for years. You know, every morning I'm seeking a deeper relationship with my connection to the divine, all that is. And, you know, uh, for a year, <laughs> I don't think I've ever talked about this. I may do a whole show about this, um, where I would just dialogue with spirit. And, uh, wow, I mean, the powerful things I was able to download. So, so I, what I'm saying is, if it doesn't happen instantly, like if you're out riding a horse right now or you're out in the middle of a field and say, well, I don't feel loved at the moment. Seek to know it, you know, and, and that part of the divine intelligence of every soul is that you're going to know what your next step is. For yours, it might be something completely different. Like for um, one of my siblings, finding a yoga uh, yoga practice was life-changing. You know, those poses and those deep breaths took her somewhere. And the fear she used to have, she just doesn't have anymore. And to me, that is knowing that you're loved. It's like not, I know I'm loved by an outer force even though that's wonderful and good and beautiful. I feel very loved by my friends and family, very. You know, or they would not be, you know, in my life, <laughs> right? But <clears throat> what I'm talking about comes from something completely different. It comes from the universe itself. It comes from breathing. It comes from... Uh, standing out in the sun and putting my feet on the ground regularly. Like coming back to center. But when you know that you're loved, it really changes how you view the world. The compassion that starts to run through you is huge. I mean, yes, there are times where you get frustrated. Of course, we're all human. But it's like you can see, oh, that's from a real wounded place. Oh, that must have really hurt whatever happened to them. And then you move on. So knowing that your love changes 
fundamentally your energy. It changes fundamentally the way you think about others. It changes even the way you think about God. You know, when we're concerned about doing it wrong because we're going to be punished, I mean, imagine, that's kind of the opposite of love. Now, having said that, negative actions or or uh, actions that are not in alignment with God certainly do bring consequences. But when you know that God is everywhere, literally the air you breathe, and that every time you take a deep breath, all you're doing is taking in more God, and that God is sustaining you, that God is loving you, providing you with you know enough air to breathe, uh, enough sun to keep you warm, enough uh, enough of whatever it is you might need. That that fundamentally changes you. And so how I experience it is little bits at a time. And then I notice there'll be days or even weeks where I just really feel loved. And then something will come up and I'll have to deal with that. And then, yeah, so that's really the, that's why it's a journey, right? The way you eat changes when you know that you're loved. The way you treat your body and the way you think about what you put in changes when you know you're loved. You know, as I've uh, increased my exercise, I'm listening to my body in a different way than I have in a long time. I think I'm in better shape than I've been in 20 years. It feels amazing. I'm so happy with how I feel, what I've learned, and I know there's so much more to learn, but... Hmm. I'm listening differently now. I'm listening differently now. Yeah. And what I know is that as I listen to what my body needs and do it, my body helps me do, you know, the next step, the next learning, the next phase. And when you don't love yourself and when you don't know that you're loved, you tend to abuse the body drink too much, eat too much, eat the wrong things. Even if it hurts your stomach, you keep eating it. Even if you know it's not good for you, you keep pounding it down. Then you have to go to the doctor. Then you have to buy the pills, you know. I went to a doctor recently for a checkup, and they said, "How now, how old are you? You know, and I was sharing all that, and they said, and you're not on any medication but vitamins? It was like they hadn't seen a patient all day like that. I was like, well, I'm not that old. (laughs) They go, no, no, most people, you know, your age are on something. Blood pressure or diabetes, something. I relate that to my spiritual journey because of how I'm listening to the body. My body is a vehicle for my soul. All right. And so with my body being a vehicle for the soul, I want my body to work. And now that I'm listening to my body, there are definitely things that I'm shifting and changing. I'm a little bit changed the way I dress, just a little. A little bit changed the way I think about the way I dress, just a little. You know, the way I relate to others, when you know you're loved, you can laugh more easily. 
especially at yourself. <laughs> we, Dave and I, right as we were starting the show, before we started the show, we we're talking about that caricature my friend uh, <laughs> did for me. It was really fun to have a, a fun image of myself, you know, all these serious uh, minister images. Uh, so it was really fun to be able to just go, oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah, Not taking myself seriously. And seeing yourself through somebody's eyes, somebody else's eyes, you know, especially, uh-huh. you know, what I, what I, when you mentioned getting a caricature done, I was like, yeah, that's so such a good idea because not uh-huh. only like when you get a caricature done of yourself, not only is it, you know, comical and all of that, but you're like almost always smiling. Everybody's always like the happiest they've ever been in the middle of a caricature drawing. Uh-huh. And yeah. your features are exaggerated. They were. And sometimes, you know, you'll see a caricature or you'll get a caricature done of yourself, and uh-huh. the feature that gets exaggerated might be something you don't like about yourself, which on one <laughs> yeah. hand seems to like, oh my gosh, thanks for pushing your finger on that thing, my my insecurity about whatever. But you have to, I think you have to kind of change the way you think. That person, that caricaturist, they see yeah. that as an, an amazing feature that should uh-huh. be celebrated and should yeah. be exaggerated. And so I really love that. So whether, you know, whether it's, now this wasn't yours or whatever, but um, whether it's, you know, hair or whether it's teeth or eyes or cheeks, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. or, or, or or their neck or something like that. There's, there's always just this kind of exaggerated feature. And, uh, and I love that an artist will find that and celebrate yes. that. That's what I like. Yeah, about. that was fun. Well, and in, in doing that, she asked me to send her a picture and I said, well, here's one with a hat on. And, uh, I said, just, just have fun with this. This is how I look right now. So that's fine. So then the hat she drew with a cross on it with a little <laughs> propeller top, like a little. <laughs> Cause you're so like a minister, min- minister geek, minister nerd. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Minister nerd. That's exactly what I am. Spiritual geek for sure. <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun, you know, and if you don't know that you're loved, boy, like you say, you could take that and go, that's how she thinks I look. <laughs> yeah. So being able to laugh, being able to uh, be vulnerable. So if you're not able to be vulnerable, that's a good indication that you don't know that you're loved. Now, as I'm saying, being vulnerable, I don't mean you tell everybody everything going on or everything you're feeling at every moment, but I mean that you're not seeking to defend, like, your existence. And many, many of us do that. Many of us do that. So, friends, you know, my hope for all of our listeners is very simply that you know that you're loved. So that you can experience, you know, all the goodness that God has for you. There are going to be times, of course, where you question that. But as you heal, what you're really doing is moving into more love, right? More love for yourself, love for God, love for humanity. Because ultimately, you know, those are all one. So I purposely this half I'm staying in this field. I'm talking slower, I know. There may be somebody who goes, is she okay? She's talking so slow. But this is just how I feel, and that's one of the ways I know that I'm listening to my inner voice is I my behaviors are in alignment with how I feel at the moment. 
It's like, I just want to slow this down. I'm always like, oh, here, you can do this and try this and do this. Let's just be in this together, you know? Energetically, I hope it translates. I hope you feel it. Because it gives me great joy to know that all in so many countries around the world, there are those of us trying to wake up, trying to be conscious, and make the world a better place simply by being in it. And I think we do that when we know we're loved. So this is my prayer for you, dear friend, for you, for those you love, and for our world. As always, we lift you up. We hold you in our prayers for all good. So we will see you next week, and blessings on the journey, dear friend. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Authentic Spiritual Journey here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com support. The Authentic Spiritual Journey is copyright 2022, Cynthia Alice Anderson, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission from RR Hot Publishing. The Experience of the Soul podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios.